Well, good morning, church. Uh, what an awesome morning to just gather and be together and worship. And um, My name's Noah, for those of you that don't know me. I'm now the worship coordinator here at Meadow Park. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and like Mark said last week, it's been one year since I started my internship here. And I just want to start out by saying thank you to every single one of you. Um, it has been an amazing opportunity that not very many kids my age get to have, to have a supporting staff like I have, um, have a congregation that is so loving and accepting. It's been an incredible journey. I've learned so much from being here, and I've got to meet so many of you, and I just cannot, I have so much gratitude, and I just cannot even express how amazing it is that I've been here, and I believe God is doing amazing things in this church, and I don't want to miss it, and I don't want to miss out on what he's doing, so I'll stay a little bit longer. How about that? <laughs> Thank you. So Mark talked last week about go and be. We're in this series called Beyond Our Walls, and he said, go and be, not come and see, meaning we need to go and be the church to the community instead of just having people come and see what we do. So with that, this week we're going to talk about loving our neighbor seriously. So who's our neighbor? Today we're going to talk about the people we live next to, the people we encounter every day, our coworkers, our friends, some of us family, and how do we interact with them? How do we show love to them? Now when I lived, I live in an apartment now with my mom, and we used to have this house. And we had this house, we have this big side yard, and we have a pool in our backyard too. And when we'd play wiffle ball, as growing up, my mom's laughing, we would play in the side yard, and we'd hit balls off the other, our neighbor's house, and we used their like air conditioner as like first base. And for some odd reason, one year, they just built or like planted these random trees on the, on the property line. And I was like, why would you want trees there? Like, they're like little, like, they don't look cool at all. And so I was like, maybe it's because they want us to keep out. So we just ran through the trees to first base anyways. And then it was like a year later or something <laughs> where our pool is, we already have a fence around it, but our other neighbors put another fence up. They didn't have a dog or any sort of animal. So we got the memo and we moved. <laughs> but loving our neighbor, what does it truly mean to love our neighbor? In Mark 12, 18, or 12, Mark 12, 28, verse 31, it says, One of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Now, let's stop right there. If Jesus says this is the most important commandment, we should listen. And for some of us, we don't, and that's a problem. So listen to this. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only God. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength, like we talked about in the, in the um, All In series leading up to Easter. The second one is equally as important. 
love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So Jesus made loving your neighbor one of the most important commandments as Jesus followers that we need to do. And that's one of those tasks that is simple. Love your neighbor. But as most of us know, it's not an easy task. Some of us are harder to love than others, and some of us seem to be easy to love. That's all right. We'll stay with you. So how do we do it? How do we love when the reality of the world that we're living in is that we have viruses that shut down our country? We have wars, rumors of more wars. I hear rumors of World War III every day at work. Not this job, my other job. That's, that's not weird. <laughs> but we have these wars going on, and we have rumors of wars, and we have racism. We have division based on political parties. We have, and it's the racism and the division is unlike before. And we have mass shootings. We have kids getting shot while they're just trying to be at school. And we're supposed to love? At a time where love is the farthest thing from what this world is. It's full of evil. It's full of sin. But did you guys notice that when Jesus came back, it was just like that when he came? And everybody's looking for answers. And they're saying, how do we solve this? Do we, what do we do? Some idea over here, some idea over here. But the truth is, is that Jesus is the answer. Everybody's looking for peace, and the peace is Jesus. There's no other thing that can help it and I'm here to remind you that the cross is still the answer. We still need to go back to the cross. Remember what he did for us. And while everybody's looking for this peace, the only way that they're going to get it is as, is as a church, we go and take it to them. It's not just going to pop into their mind one day. It might for some but we need to be the church that goes and takes that peace, that love to them. We're called to love your neighbor. We have 168 hours in a week, minus the one to two hours that we're here on Sunday morning and Wednesday night. What are we doing to show that love to our neighbor? Because if it just stops when we walk out that door, that ain't it. We would be failing as a church if that's all we did. So before we dive any deeper on how we show this love, once, once we go out and we go be, we go and be, what do we say? What do we do? How do we interact with people? Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you for your son who was sent to die for us, that the cross is still what we can run to. So God, I pray that you come, pray that you be here, you open our hearts on what you have to say to us. Speak through me that I can speak with boldness, conviction. And it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to be honest. Um, this is a pretty deep thing to talk about. Um, I'm going to probably make some of you uncomfortable and I'm going to step on some toes. But we're going to do it anyways. And I don't care. <laughs> so we see in John 15:12. It says, this is my commandment, 
love each other the same way I have loved you. This is my commandment, love others the way that I have loved you. And so before we can love others, we need to truly understand God's love. What is God's love? The Hebrew word for, one of the Hebrew words for love that we see for God's love to humanity is called hesed. And that, the closest translation we can get is an overly undeserved kindness and mercy. So how did Jesus show that? And I think John 3.16, although we see it a lot, I think is pretty much the gospel and what it says. It says, for God so loved the world. He so loved the world. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Just like what we sang about, for God so loved. The ultimate sign of love that humans have accepted is God's son. He gave up everything for us so that humans who fail every single day and fall short to the glory of God every single day, they can have everlasting life. doesn't make sense. It's so undeserved. But that's the love that Jesus and God has showed us. And we see how Jesus breaks the societal rules at his time. You know, on the Sabbath, he healed the withered man's hand. And at that time, you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. He went and he talked to the Samaritan woman. And at that time, women were not treated as equally as men. He invited people to come and eat with them. And at that time, you did not break bread with people that you did not love or were in your family. And I heard a song the other day as I was preparing for this. And it said, there's a sign on the door that says, come as you are, but I doubt it. Because if we lived like that were true, every Sunday morning pew would be crowded. But didn't you say church should look more like a hospital, a safe place for the sick, the sinner, the scarred, and the prodigal? So my question to you, church, is are we? Are we where sinners, prodigals, the scarred, the sick, can they come into this church and feel accepted and loved? And I don't see it in every single church in this world. There's a reason that with everything going on in this world that people aren't looking to the church for answers. Whether that be a judgmental nature, fear, we will never reach people if we do not live this first. We need to go out, and every single person needs to hear the love of Christ. There were lepers at the time when Jesus was doing his ministry, and they'd walk around the town yelling, unclean. That's social distancing, not our little six-feet stuff. <laughs> they'd have to walk around town yelling that they were unclean. And guess who's the one person that could talk to them and heal them? Jesus. <laughs> Jesus went to them. We live around people in our neighborhood who are different than us. We live around people who practice a homosexual lifestyle. They're black, they're white, they're Asian, Mexican, Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative. Did Jesus say he only healed the fit people? 
He only loved fit people, that people were, that were like him. Told you, I'm getting, I'm, I'm on y'all. But just know, I'm not, I'm preaching to myself too. There should be no person that does not endure the love of Christ through us. So now that we understand the love that God showed and that Jesus showed throughout his ministry, how do we do it? What, what do we do? And the first one is we need to lose the fear of evangelism. And as I was researching this, Diane um, shared a quote with me from Penn Jillette. He's one half of Penn and Teller, the magicians. They have like a Vegas show and they were on TV, I think, at one point. And he's a renowned atheist. He's known, he's written books on disproving God and stuff. And one of his quotes that I read says, If you believe that there's a heaven and hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? (laughs) Wow. That is, when I read that, I didn't know if Diane was trying to send a message to me, but but it really hit me hard. How much do you have to hate somebody to believe in what we believe and not tell them? And as I read, and as I was like processing through all that, I read Luke 9, 26. And it says, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, this is Jesus talking, the son of man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels. And fear of evangelism, I think, is a huge problem in our society. We can't say the wrong thing without fear of being canceled. Everybody needs acceptance. Everybody needs to feel appreciated and loved. And there's at times I feel that too. And I've heard very many people who I've talked to, friends and people at school, I've heard them say, it's just not my place. It's not my place to tell them about Jesus. I just want to hang out with them because they're a good person. They are who they are. And there's a difference between shoving religion in someone's face and telling somebody the truth that is the Bible. And if you're scared of that, read 926 again. Whoever's ashamed of me and my words, I'll be ashamed of. Got quiet in here. (laughs) That's super heavy, heavy, heavy to read. We We need to lose that fear of evangelism. Some of us are introverts. Some of us don't like making conversation. If a conversation goes longer than we anticipated, we get uncomfortable. And I'm not good at little chit-chat. I'll go deep with you. I remember talking to Tim about this the first time he was here. I'm not good at chit-chat. If I come up to you and it's awkward, I'm sorry. But if you want to get deep and talk about my life story, let's do it. Like, I'm all in. (laughs) And the second one is accept and receive the power of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1.8, I have a lot of scripture today. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of 
the earth. Everybody say power. Jesus says, I will pour my spirit out upon you. I'll give you power. That pumps me up. Give it. Give me all of it. I want all of it. But we can't go to the ends of the earth if we do not start with our neighbor. If we do not start with the people that we see every day. And something I've realized throughout my walk in ministry and just life is that when God calls us to do something... He does not send us in our own strength. Because in our own strength, we will fail. He says, I will give you power. You will receive power. From what? The Holy Spirit. Nothing else. Nothing else will satisfy you and empower you like the Holy Spirit can. But the flip side of that is we serve a God that gives us free will. We're allowed to pick and choose the choices we make. So we need to accept that power that God has given us, that the Holy Spirit wants to give us. And I work at a place called GFS Chemicals, and I just work in like the shipping area. We just ship chemicals all over the uh, world. And there's this guy that works there, and he's not in my department, but I see him just walking around and stuff. And I felt so clearly that God said, you need to tell him you're praying for him. And I felt it. I knew I was supposed to do it, but I was scared. He was a big built guy. Um, I'm pretty sure I knew his first name. I wasn't. We were just on a first name basis. Really never talked to this guy. And I admit I was scared. And for about a week and a half, I didn't do it. I saw him every day. And I did not talk to him. And one day I was leaving work, and it just so happens he was walking out the door when I was driving out. And because that's how God works, he's going to get you to do it anyways. <laughs> and so I opened the gate, and I was driving out, and my window was already down. And I turned down my music, and I was like, hey, Kevin, uh, I just want to let you know I'm praying for you. And he goes, what? And I was like, ugh. <laughs> And I go, I'm praying for you. And he goes, who have you been talking to? And I was like, hey, nobody, man. I promise I haven't talked to anybody about you. Like, I'm sorry if I offended you. And he's like, you seriously didn't talk to anybody. And I was like, no, man, I just felt like God was telling me that I'm supposed to be praying for you. And he goes, I've had the worst week of my life, and I've been wanting someone to ask to pray with me. And right then and there, I was like, wow. <laughs> so I just asked him, was there anything specific I can pray for? And he starts opening up about every situation in his life. And I was like, let me park my car, and I'll get out, and we'll have a conversation. <laughs> so I went and parked my car. And he just opens up about life and his mom and his grandma and his niece that's struggling and his cousin and And I was so scared at the beginning. And then I remembered, am I supposed to love, aren't I supposed to love this guy? Aren't I supposed to show this guy the love of Christ that I was first given? And we were, <laughs> and we were praying, and our our, so we have two bosses, and, and, and another employee were walking out, and they go, what are you guys doing? And he goes, oh, we're praying, man. And I was like, <laughs> 
<laughs> He's an awesome dude. <laughs> and there are people in this world who are so hungry and thirsty for that. They, they need hope. They need to know that there's a God that loves them and there's a future for them. If we lived like that was true, that this is a hospital, every Sunday morning pew would be crowded. And as I was preparing this, Mark shared this with me. Care, share, and invite. It's not invite, share, care. It's not, hey, let me share about myself and my story first. It's, hey, what about you? What's your life like? People will never feel comfortable enough to come and sit here if we do not love on them first. So I have three things for you. Uh, the worship team can come on up. It was a short one today. That's good. <laughs> Here's three things you can do to show your neighbor, your coworker, your just somebody you know that, you're, that you love them and you care for them. One, learn their name. I was at Roosters with my girlfriend the other day. I think it was two days ago. I forget. And um, this guy goes, hey, Noah. And I was like, yeah. He goes, it's nice to see you. And she, and she goes, did you know him? And I was like, not a clue. And I was like, but I feel kind of cool for him knowing my name. Learn somebody's name today. Number two, make conversation. Actually be present in a conversation with somebody this week. Number three, invite them over whether that's a meal, whether that's just hanging out. This could get controversial, but the time for fear is over. The time for fearing of having somebody over and talking to somebody is over. We are in a crisis situation. The church is in a crisis situation. Churches are, what, 50% less than what they were before COVID? That's sad. We are in a crisis situation. People do not know the love of Christ. We need to take it to them. That's our job. The greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. What would it look like if in our homes and our communities, they became outposts of hope? People could come. I'm moving out in July, and I'm, I've already been trying to think and pray of how I can reach my neighbors during all this. So I'm just in the same boat as you guys on how, to, on how to do this. What would it look like if people could come to our homes and experience new life, experience miracles in your homes because you said yes to that invitation? It is every single one of our callings to love and to go out into the world. So what are we gonna do about it? The time for waiting is over. The, the world, the church is in crisis, and we need love more than ever. Go and take it to them. Because miracles don't just happen in church. I promise you, some of the coolest experiences I've had with God have not been in church. That's fine. It's cool. I've experienced awesome times here. But there's 168 hours in a week. Two of them, at most, you spend here. Go and experience Christ in a new way this week. Let's pray. Jesus, you are faithful, man. You are so good. You're so gracious. God, we don't want to miss it. 
we don't want to miss the opportunity that you've given us to go and make disciples of all nations. God, help us to love. Help us to get our own pride, our own troubles out of the way so that we can love like you first loved us. Help us to not forget that, that you first loved us so we can love others. God, be with us and guide us. Come do a new awesome thing in this church. It's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song called Waymaker. And I was I honestly kind of struggled to find a song that would match what we were talking about. Where we sing about Waymaker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. He's all those things for people. And it's so cool that we can come under one name and we could all say these different names of God and they all hit him right on the spot. I know people in here that need a way maker, they need a promise keeper, they have addictions. Go help somebody experience that this week. And if you need that in this week, I promise you it can happen right now. Don't let another second of addiction. Sorry, I'm rambling. I'm all, I, I feel something. Don't let another day of addiction go by. Don't let another day of fear go by when you can release it right now. I want this place to be a party in here on this song, man. Do not miss what God has in this moment right now. Love you guys. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Um, see you later.